listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and that means you're listening to Deb Wolf. And today I have a special guestie, Mary Margaret, coming to us from Pet Partners. So before we get any further, Pet Partners is not a dating service for dogs or anything of the sort. It's actually this really cool course you can take that teaches you how to read your dog's language, how to communicate so much better with your dog. So welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Deb. Tell us about this course. Why does a person need to take this course? Well, Pet Partners believes really strongly that whether you're a therapy animal team or just a responsible pet owner, one of the best things that you can do for your animal's welfare and happiness is to be able to read their body language. And canine body language is really important. You want to be able to support your animal so that your animal has a trusting relationship with you and they'll be more willing to do the things you ask them to do if you're willing to listen to what they're saying. Okay, so I tried your course. I went online and I tried it and I was a little bit skeptical. I was thinking to myself as I went online, this is going to be so boring. Uh, This isn't going to work for me. I don't really need to watch this. And it flew by. I was right into it. I was so engaged. So it's a lot of fun. Was that by design? Yeah, we really wanted it to feel practical. So you'll find, it sounds like you just, you know, the situational wing that you're constantly presented with situations and scenarios that could really actually happen. Don't make it seem like a boring class. It makes it seem like, gosh, yeah, this could happen to me. And I want to be able to make sure that my animal is content, is relaxed. And if they're not, I want to do things to help get them back to that state. I mean, we think about how stressful our lives are as humans in the world. Now imagine that if you were a dog on all four legs, looking at everybody's knees, the world is a very different place for you. And well, you and I may realize that a guy with a leaf blower outside is just doing his job to a dog. What do they think? So we can't explain to them in words necessarily what's happening, but what we can do is watch for their reactions and then respectfully support them and always be looking out for their best interests. Pet Partners has a have a saying, or it's really my, kind of a motto for us, and we call it Yayaba, which stands for you are your animal's best advocate. And if you are a responsible pet owner, if you're somebody who loves your animal, as I know everyone who listens to your show does, you want to be your animal's best advocate. What better way to be their advocate than to listen to what they're telling you? Sometimes that's hard to do. I've had some situations where someone's hired me to train a dog and they think the dogs all of a sudden become aggressive. And you know what? Mm -hmm. You look at the dog, his fur's up. He's, well, in this case, it was a mastiff female. She's growling at all the other dogs that come near her. All of a sudden, overnight, this dog goes from being pleasant and happy and easygoing, go with the flow, to not wanting any dogs near her. So they bring her out thinking, okay, maybe she's matured. Maybe there's an issue. It turns out she's telling me everything hurts She's showing me Mm -hmm. with her body language that she's in pain. So I send them to the vet, and it turned out she had a really serious condition that made it hurt when anything bumped into her, when anybody touched her. And so no wonder she was acting out all the, you know, and and you don't want to misdiagnose something like that. 
just because you can't read it. You can't tell that that dog isn't actually showing aggressive stance. It's showing fearful stance, painful stance. And that's what I think is so key in this. I'm wondering if you can comment on that. When a person is trying to deal with a problem and they're trying to read the body language, it can be very difficult, right? It absolutely can be. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, really, if we think about this, this encompasses animal welfare in a really holistic way. You know, there's, in my mind, a difference between caring for an animal and caring about an animal. Caring for an animal means, you know, you feed that animal, you let them out, you do sort of what you have to do so that they survive. Caring about an animal means we we really want our animals to feel happy, to feel fulfilled, to feel healthy, to not be in pain. And this is just part of that whole piece. And you're right. When you see unusual changes in behavior, particularly for an animal that you know, that's telling you that something's up, something's changed, and, and it's your chance to step in there and be your animal's advocate. Similarly, I also tell people who don't have a lot of experience with dogs, that taking a course like this may make them feel more confident in settings where they're exposed to animals they don't know. So if I have never owned a dog, let's say, but I'm in a setting where maybe I see animals coming through on a regular basis. Like I always think about local garden centers, right? People love to take their dogs when they're Mm -hmm. going to pick out plants. The weather's getting nice. Right. And if you're someone who works there and and you haven't really experienced dogs, you may not know what some of the common signals are. Now, there's people who've owned dogs all their life and they go, oh yeah, I know what that, oh, the, the wagging tail, oh, an open smiling mouth. And maybe you know those things, but let's assume that not everybody does. People should have the opportunity to not only, you know, be careful of their animal's welfare, but make sure that they feel confident in interactions with different animals that they may not know. And you know what? The difference, I've had this situation where I'm pointing to a dog who's behaving in a certain way and I'm trying to identify it to the person who's there for the training lesson and I'm trying to explain it and they just don't see it. It's so Mm -hmm. hard. You know, I'll say to them, okay, you see how that dog is standing so stiff and straight? You see how he's acting aggressive? You see how nervous he is? And they're like, no, he looks happy to me. And I'll say, (laughs) you see how his tail is moving methodically back and forth, very stiff, like it's keeping a beat? I thought a wagging tail meant the dog was happy, the guy will say. And it's that kind of a discussion that is really hard for me to deal with in in a quick way. You know, they're paying for me by the minute. They want to cover every problem they've got. And that might take that person who's not that good at observational cues a lifetime to catch on to. Or they can take your course, watch it on the screen, and watch it until they get it. Repeat it and repeat it it, until they actually can recognize the difference between the happy, excited dog wagging its tail and barking because it really can't wait to meet you and the one that's wagging its tail and barking because it wants you to get off its property because there's a big difference, but not everyone can tell that, right? You're absolutely right. And you know, it's that combination of different signals. It's the tail combined with what the body's doing, combined with what the face looks like. It's all those things combined together. And then you think about different breeds that maybe they've got hair over their eyes, so it's hard to see what their eyes are doing. Or maybe they have a dock tail and you can't see a wagging tail easily. You know, you're looking to combine all these different things together, and it's not necessarily easy. So, you know, we're all on a learning curve. I've been surrounded by animals my entire life, and I still learn something new about different dogs. And, you know, it's so funny because... Sometimes you can see it much more easily in a dog that you don't have a relationship with or that isn't your dog than you can see it 
So, you know, I, I spent oh, all okay. of my time. Okay, well, you know what? We're going to come back and talk more about that. Oh. We're here with Mary Margaret Callahan. She is the Senior National Director of Program Development for Pet Partners. And if you want to check out Pet Partners while we're on break, petpartners.org is where you go. And I believe I've even attached a photo to the show if you want to see. Is that a llama? Is it an alpaca? That is a llama. It's a llama. Okay. Well, yep. if you want to see Mary Margaret up close and personal with a llama, then you can. And we'll come back and talk a little bit more about why it's different with your own pet and other pets and the different breeds. And why is there a llama? Come on now. Okay. Stay tuned. We'll be back on Animal <laughs> Party to figure that out. Stay tuned. party before it's over because the best is yet to come only losers leave the party early anyway party on back in a few it's hard to find time for your furry family member that's where camp bow wow comes in all day play and overnight camp daycare and boarding for dogs everything is included large play areas for fun and exercise spacious cabins comfy cots even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone camp bow wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog for locations and more information visit campbowwow.com it's designerpetsweaters.com hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. You're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. And it's me, Deb Wolf. Deborah Wolf, you know me. Camp Good Dog up here in Vancouver where we have boarding dogs and breeding dogs. And speaking of, you know, we're talking right now with uh, petpartners.org and we're talking with Mary Margaret and she just mentioned that she's had a whole lifetime with animals and she just learned something new. Well, me too. This week, even though I've had a whole lifetime of animals and over a decade of breeding them, this week I had a female who just wouldn't whelp her puppies. She just wouldn't. She just wouldn't. It's like one of those ladies you see at the park walking around the track when they're past their nine-month deadline and they just want the baby to come. So I just wanted her puppies to come and she just wouldn't. She just wouldn't. I took all the wild, ruckusy dogs away so she'd have a really calm time and that was my mistake. This dog is young and fit and full of energy, and her best friends are my wild dogs. So her husband, when I took him away, she was not very happy. She was really unsettled. The night I brought him back up, not right with her, just nearby, bang, right away, starts having her puppies. She needed her man nearby. I never would have thought that in a million years. All my other females didn't want the boys around, but this one, she's really pair bonded. So sometimes you learn new things from animals you've had forever. And um, we're talking with PetPartners.org. You can check it out online. There's a new course there that the money goes to help animals. So it's a charity-driven spot we're doing today on Pet Life Radio. And uh, so I want you to go there and check out the course. But you're also going to learn something. Right, Mary Margaret? What are they going to learn? 
Well, we're hoping that you're going to learn all about canine body language and how to read body language for animals. Most of this course is sort of driven for, for folks who are interested in visiting with their animal as a therapy animal, but it certainly applies to anyone who has exposure to dogs. Okay, so now the different breeds. I have standard poodles and golden doodles, and I don't dock tails. But mm-hmm. my male dogs, on occasion, I have to buy one to keep the, you know, everybody not, not interbreeding, and they right. usually come with a dock tail. So I see the difference between a poodle with the full body to express itself, with a big long tail that can curl up over its back to look relaxed or wag like any other dog to look happy compared to these guys with a little stubby that they just ding, 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 back and forth like a little roddy or a little. So it really does change the body language. The same with the ears that are hardly there or big floppy ones, right? So how, how does that make a difference when you're helping people learn? Well, I think that the big thing to focus on is like, if we think about sort of the stories you were told as a kid or when you were young and your first exposure to animals and things like that, you know, everybody goes, oh, a wagging tail is a happy dog. Well, as we get older, as we know more, that's not always the case. And so what we like to encourage people to do is take a look at the whole picture. We sort of think of the dog in three sort of sections, if you will, zones. So there's, there's the head. What's happening on the head and the face? Mouth open, mouth closed. What are the eyes doing? Where are the ears going? Now, we take all of that then in context with what's the body doing. Is it low to the ground? Is it relaxed? Can you see tension? Is it leaning forward? Is it leaning back? And then combine that with what's happening with the tail. Is the tail wagging? Is it straight? Is it stiff? Is it between the legs? And you, you sort of take pieces of all those to combine to get the sort of the full picture. So if you have an animal that's got a dock tail, or you have a dog with small ears, or you have a dog with hair or fur in its face that that makes the eyes hard to see, you still can take cues from each of those three different zones to get together to get your big picture. Now, even with that, different animals are a little bit different. And as you spend more time with different animals, you start to see what their unique signals are. But this is a great primer to get anybody started. You know, when you talk, when you said about the wagging tail, I was right away thinking about this this dog I had that had, that had put a bunch of dogs in the hospital. He was sort of on a two strike, one more strike, he's out kind of deal. And I met him. I went to his home to do a training lesson. And, you know, one of the things the owner said to me as this dog lunged at the fence trying to attack any dog that was even two blocks away, even even on the other side of the street, you know, saliva everywhere, lips just bashing against the metal, scrapes all over his face from doing this so much, big hole in the ground where he does it over and over and over and over. Okay, well, you know there's a big problem with training here. But the guy is saying to me, I don't know why he's aggressive. He always looks so happy when he sees another dog. Yeah, he looks happy. He looks happy to fight, right? Like some dogs love to fight. So their ears Mm -hmm. perk up and their, their body language, they get all, you know, they leave the porch, they get up off the dog bed, they see another dog, they come running out and then they start barking and their tails wagging. And the guy says, that looks happy to me, but that doesn't look happy to me. And the dog on the other side of the street that's running away doesn't think so either, you know? (laughs) So it's really important people know how to read their dogs. Now, I know you were saying earlier that reading your own dog is a little bit different. So I think we're going to go to break and we'll come back and find out how reading your own dog is a little different. And also, what's that llama doing in there, everybody? We need to find out (laughs) on Animal Party, Pet Life Radio. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere, because 
the best is yet to come. Stick around. I'm a U.S. Air Force member stationed overseas, and we have three rescued mutts. Stone Phillips was to be euthanized. There were bacteria crawling all over his skin. They called it elephant skin. It was rough, wrinkly, like a Brillo pad. He was in constant misery. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. We started feeding him the Dynavite, and his skin, it's a 180 turnaround. His skin has cleared up. He is not in pain. Stone is in excellent shape today. He runs, stays slim and trim, and follows my husband around like he worships him. I would highly encourage you to get a rescue dog and start him out on Dynavite right from the beginning, and they will make such a difference in your life. Call 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Or go to Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? <laughs> Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio Talk and iTunes. Let's talk pets. <laughs> Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> You're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go! Hello! You're listening to Animal Party Pet Life Radio with me, Deb Wolf, calling in from Sunny Camp Good Dog. That's right. Sun is shining on the new Golden Doodle Puppies and the Happy Mama. And the pond is full. And, uh, well... We're talking with Pet Partners, petpartners.org, if you want to check out the courses. They've got great courses, including one that will help you read your dog's body language. Now, how is it different? We're talking with Mary Margaret Callahan, Senior National Director of Program Development for Pet Partners. And I'm just asking her about the difference between reading your own dog and reading a stranger's. I think most people would think it was easier to read their own dog, but maybe that doesn't factor in the manipulation. I'm wondering if that's what she's going to tell us next. I don't know. Is it because your own dog is trying to put one over on you, but a stranger not so much? What's the deal with this? Well, you know, and I won't say that it's always dependent on that. It certainly depends on you as the owner or the handler. But what I've seen time and time again, it's kind of like what you see with people with their children. Because let's face it, our dogs are like our children in many respects. We love them unconditionally. We want only the best for them. And we always want to assume they're, they, you know, they're going to do the right thing. And so people sometimes are slow to see things that they don't want to see. They don't want to see that when they take their dog in the car, it really doesn't like it because they're looking forward to doing this road trip. They've always envisioned bringing their dog on with them to go camping, right? Or oh, they don't really like a want to see blindness. A little so. bit. Mm-hmm. I think so. That's, that's why that you get certainly. these people who say, well, he's never done this before. And the whole family is shaking their head, looking at you like, yes, he has. <laughs> Yes, he has. Did it yesterday. You know, oh, no, I don't know why he's doing this. And everybody else looks at the lady and goes, Mom, you know, why are you lying? Because, yeah, we, we don't want to admit it, do we? 
No, and so, you know, when you're starting to really brush up on reading body language, I think it's a great place to start is to find a friend who's got a dog. And without your dog there, just watch somebody else's dog for a while because it's really easy to be objective. It's not your dog, right? So you can look for things and look for patterns and see how an animal responds and then transition some of those skills, that good observational skill, start transitioning it to your own pets and you'll pick up on things. But you've got to really challenge yourself to say, no, I'm going to actually look for observed behaviors. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. We always encourage folks to talk about what they see, not about what they think the animal is feeling. So instead of saying, oh, my dog is so happy, say, oh, my dog has its mouth open, it's got his eyes wide open, its tail is wagging, its ears are up, looks happy to me, right? So instead of saying, oh, my dog must be depressed, well, what do you actually see in your dog? Well, head is down, tail between the legs, ears back. That might tell you that maybe your dog isn't as content as they could be. So looking for those really objective things instead of jumping right to the emotion is another great strategy to practice. I also find that because dogs are truly in tune with us, they're very, very empathic, you know, this compassionate mm-hmm. thing that they have. So, I, I mean, I'll give you a funny example. I had this standard poodle growing up, and my parents had different attitudes about what the dog looked like when he'd come home from the groomer. My dad felt so sorry for the dog. He thought he looked just terrible. And my mom thought he looked exquisite, right? So this dog would come home from the groomer, and he'd walk in the house, and depending on who he saw first— If I was the one driving him home, I'd walk in the front door, open up the door. If he saw my mom, he would puff out his chest and stand tall and prance (laughs) in the house. And she would go, aren't you beautiful? And he would turn around and all this stuff. Okay, later, or if I happened to walk in and my dad was there, he would see my dad and my dad would go, what have they done to you, buddy? Oh, (laughs) poor guy, you know, and my dog would drop his head and he'd look all sad and it was just, oh, yeah. and both of them, by the way, would give him a cookie for the grooming, right? <laughs> they would. So it was all, he didn't give a hoot whether, it, you know, if it was winter, I guess he was more comfortable furry. If it was summer, he was more comfortable shaved. But other than that, he was just milking it for the cookie. And I think sometimes... <laughs> You know, our dogs give us what they want. Like I've seen quite a few dogs who come to camp, good dog, have a bad behavior. But if they know you're watching, they won't do it. You know, it's just when they know you're not, right? And you pick up your phone and pretend to be using it. And all of a sudden, there they go. Oh, look, he's digging or whatever it is, right? They know when you're watching. So I think sometimes a second pair of eyes is helpful. You being distracted or appearing to be distracted is helpful because there's dogs who will like, pick a fight and then turn and smile at their owner like, those are me. Nope, couldn't have been me. <laughs> you know, They're, they can be pretty clever. But uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit more about your course. What else will people expect to find there? Well, so talking about canine body language and then also talking about things that you can do as the owner, as the handler, to help move your dog back to that sort of life is good thing. So in the course, we sort of break everything down kind of like a stoplight, if you will, right? That we go from green to yellow to red. And you want your dog to be in that green, life is good zone as much as they can. But the fact of the matter is, just like people, all dogs experience some level of stress at different times. You have you've never met a person who would say, oh, I've never been stressed out. You know, when you have somebody who says, oh, my dog never gets stressed out, I think, well, really? 
because it's natural. People experience things, and so do our animals. Um, so when they do, if, if they have that, one like that, I want to meet them because <laughs> I I do right. But you know what? It's like out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dogs I met, I met one named Arthur Gumberoff years ago. He was in a motor vehicle accident. Everybody else ran from the scene. Not Arthur. Not Arthur. He enjoyed the spilled kibble. Like, that's how mellow Arthur was. <laughs> there are these dogs out there, right, who just cannot. I had one Vegas. He's still around. He's an old, old dog now. But he used to march in parades. We marched in a parade, and in front of us was Shriners in little tiny cars, and behind us was llamas, and it didn't stress him out, right? Like, but... Those dogs are one in a million. Most dogs, they're stressed when there's thunder. They're stressed when you're stressed. They're stressed when people are fighting. They're stressed with heavy machinery. They're stressed with strangers around the house. New pets. And it's, moves, and it's different travels. for all of them. And, it, yeah. and it's your responsibility to figure out what they're stressed about. And then when you do see that, what can you do to make their life better? So... It could be anything. It could be as, as little as some encouraging words and maybe a gentle touch or pat from you, right? It could also be realizing that it's in your animal's best interest to, to change the situation, to close the window so that they don't hear the leaf blower, or to, you know, alter something about the environment to make them more comfortable. That's what we would do if it was up to us, right? If we've got a headache and that leaf blower yeah, is driving us crazy, we would make the change. Our dogs can't always do that for themselves, so it's our responsibility as our animal's best advocate to help them out and get them back to that life is good zone. And similarly, if they go really far on the scale, so if that was like a yellow, right, I'm a little annoyed by this and I want to bring them back to green. If they get and it escalates and it escalates and they're in a place where maybe they're aggressive or they're fearful, then you may make a more dramatic change. Like you may decide to leave the dog park at that moment. You may decide to do something that's bigger, that's a bigger change because you don't want to put your animal in a position where their, may be, their behavior may cause um, some negative consequences, either for them or for other people or other animals. Yeah, reading your dog is so important because they're not going to speak to you in human language. They may put thoughts in your head, but when they do that, you may not recognize it. Like, get me out of here, or I don't like that dog, or help, you know, but you may not recognize it. So you need to recognize the really obvious body language because even though we like to talk, that's our communication, that's not how they do it. And if you've ever seen a, a Border Collie, that's the most obvious example I can think of. When you see a Border Collie working sheep, you see him giving body language almost like semaphore, like they used to do in the mm. olden days with flags. He's got specific signals for specific things that all the other Border Collies and Blue Heelers know without ever being taught or ever raised on a farm or trained, just know what it means. And all the goats and sheep and cattle and everybody else knows what to do in response to these set poses. There's a pose that looks like I'm going to lunge at you. It makes them go forward. There's a pose that looks like I'm going to stop and stand in your way. That makes them stop, right? Like there's certain set things and dogs communicate that way with their body language, but they also communicate to each other. Two dogs meet at a dog park. They both stand as tall and straight as they can to show each other their full height. If one of them decides he's going to be submissive, he immediately lowers his head to show that he's shorter. You know, this kind of stuff is going on all the time. And you need to be able to see it if you want to know what your dog wants. And that's basically the idea, right? 
absolutely. The best way to keep your animal happy and contented and honestly safe is by knowing what they're experiencing and then being able to support them in a way that's appropriate. Okay, so people should go to petpartners.org. And how does the llama fit in? What's the deal with the llama, please? (laughs) So that picture is a picture of me with Dazador, the llama. Dazador is actually a therapy llama. He and his handler, Nikki Kuklenski, out of Bellingham, Washington, go and visit in different places to provide animal-assisted activities. So nursing homes, I think, is a popular visit for, uh, for Nikki and some of her llamas. And just the intelligent animal, Pet Partners registers nine different species of animals for therapy animal work. And although I don't have a class on online class on llama behavior yet it certainly goes still goes saying that regardless of whatever animal you have particularly one that you may be taking out into public or you may be doing therapy animal work with it's so important to be able to read your animal's body language and so that was my opportunity to meet some of her animals and learn a lot about them and uh I've met all sorts of different animals through pet partners. We have some wonderful parrots who are registered. We have miniature pigs, miniature horses, Uh, and donkeys. Okay, horses, pigs, donkeys, dogs, llama, that's five, cats, 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 rabbits, rabbits, seven, who's eight? (laughs) Guinea pigs. Guinea pigs. Doing their part. Who would have thought? Guinea pigs. That's right. Doing their part. And the last, which people always go, what? You registered these animals? And I say, hey, you never know what kind of animals someone is going to find therapeutic. We do register domestic rats. Okay, so that's actually nine. You have nine in your list. I hope you know. You have to add it up. Okay, so, so, uh, all right. The llama. The llama, Mm -hmm. I understand, maybe my listeners don't know this about llamas, but llamas like to do their business in a specific spot. So that's Mm -hmm. very handy for this sort of thing. They will wait till they get home to their specific spot and go there. So you don't have the issue all day with them. But what about the rats and the guinea pigs? Aren't they just kind of poop as they move kind of creatures? (laughs) Uh, Uh, It can be harder with different species. This is true. And, you know, so for larger animals, like I would say mini horses is a great example. Mini horses, the handlers that I've met that have mini horses, they're very conscientious of when their animal eats and what their animal schedule is. So they plan around that to some extent. And also oftentimes their horses will signal before they need to go so they can excuse themselves and go outside to whatever space outside the facility that they're visiting is appropriate for them to use. Very Um, reasonable. I teach my dogs to do that, too, and I teach my dogs a word. So if I need them to go in a hurry, I can at least tell them, like, okay, it's the bathroom break time now. You know, guys, go if you got to. That's right. This is your chance. Yeah, you should. All you have to do is when your dog is going in the right place at the right time, praise him and introduce a word for it. Just repeat that each time, and before long, he'll know how to go when you tell him to. So you won't be standing there waiting for your female dog to pick just the right spot and then have to force her back in the car and go make her hold it while you drive to the next spot, right? You'll be able to tell her, hey, like now, and she'll just do it without getting upset over it. So, okay, so we went through all those animals. All right. Now, 
cat language is completely different than dog language. Cat body language mm-hmm. and dog body language, it's almost different signs for different things. So if you're listening today and you're a cat lover and you want some cat body language out of me, I promise I will invite Dusty Rainbolt back on the show and we'll do an interview and we'll talk about cat body language because they're pretty cool creatures. And you Absolutely. can tell. You can tell when a cat's about to attack. You can tell when a cat's in a bad mood. But you got to know how to read it, just like you have to know how to read the dogs. So when people join this course, I know that the money gets, some of the money gets donated. What are they helping? So Pet Partners is a national organization that um, believes in the power of the human-animal bond. And we register therapy animal teams to go out and visit in their community to bring um, happiness, joy, and the power of pets, the healing power of pets um, to those folks. So the people that register with pet partners are volunteers and they do things that are amazing. They share their animals and their love of animals um, to help increase the emotional, physical, and I would say sort of mental well-being of folks all over. So you could find pet partners teams in hospitals, in retirement homes, hospice settings, courtrooms sometimes. You could find them in libraries with reading programs, teaching kids to read, all different programs like that. And so these folks are sharing their time and their energy to make sure that folks in their community get an opportunity to experience animals in a really positive way. It brings them, it brings them well-being as well. Thank you for joining us today, Mary. It's been my pleasure, Deb. Thanks for having me. Okay, everybody. That was Mary Margaret Callahan, the Senior National Director of Program Development at Pet Partners. And if you want to hear or see more, if you want to take the class, petpartners.org. Your money's going to go help animals do good for people. And you're going to learn how to read your dog better, read other dogs better. If you've got a kid who's had a bad incident, if you've got somebody who's a little bit afraid or nervous, this is the way to go. Or you've got someone who just loves it and wants to be even better at it. This is the way to go. Check it out, petpartners.org. Okay, so I've promised you a cat interview and cat body language, which will be coming up soon. I've also got a line in to Dr. Professor Stan Corin and to Darlene Arden, who have both agreed to come on the show coming up soon to talk about whatever I want. So if you want to send me your suggestions, I'm open to it. Anything animal, dog, cat, psychology, behavior is, is our thing. But if you ask me something I don't know about, I'll book a guest to deal with it. So you can get your expert talking about your topic very easily at the animal party. I love to have a party. We had a bit of a party with a llama today and a whole bunch of animals I didn't know. I thought it was going to be just dogs. And then we had all these others show up. So that was great. All well behaved, of course. And um, I'll be back next week. So until then, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.